The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. My name is Jacob Goins. I'm your man for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Hope you're doing well. Hopefully, uh, you're staying dry and staying safe. I mean, the the storms that came through last night were were pretty bad, and uh, apparently we're supposed to be getting more maybe near the end of the week sometime. I was hearing something about Friday uh, could possibly be uh, bad again, and so, uh, yeah, hopefully you are staying dry, staying safe. I know my uh, the the my apartment complex where I live, all the, the, the grass and the driveways and everything, I mean, it was a disaster with sticks and branches and everything. Um, it, it was a disaster, and I know tons of people were having trouble. I mean, we had people getting trouble getting to the office this morning with trees down everywhere so um, bad weather's never any fun uh, and again I hope you all stayed safe through it and maybe we'll miss it uh, at the end of this week but other than that hope you're doing well hope you enjoyed the national championship game last night uh, we're going to talk about that here on the show today uh, we'll talk some all over basketball today as the Tigers are uh, back in action tonight in the SEC for Game 2 of the conference schedule. Game 1 at home in the SEC this season. As they host Buzz Williams and the Texas A&M Aggies, we'll talk a lot about that today. Also, we got a lot of Auburn football updates to talk about with guys coming back, coaches being let go, um, some updates on play calling. Yeah, that's right. We got some updates there. So, lots to talk about today. It's also Tuesday, which means coming up in hour number two, Double D, Daryl Daprich will join us at 3:15 till 3:45. We'll have Daryl on for 30 minutes today. Uh, excited to uh, chat with him coming up in the second hour all things Auburn we'll talk football basketball uh, and baseball season tickets or I guess single game tickets went on sale today right so so many things to go over with him in the second hour as well this is on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back no Uncle T-Bone today he'll be back with me tomorrow he's with me Monday Wednesdays and Fridays so Tuesday Thursday I fly solo here in the studio but leaves plenty of opportunity for you to be a part of the show calling in on the phone lines 334-321-1390 that number again is 334-321-1390 and there's a little bit of sunshine outside as we get going underway here on this Tuesday afternoon so whatever you want to talk about we'd love to get your thoughts on uh, the national championship game last night we already have uh, odds for the national championship next season uh, which they they've got those ready to go as soon uh, as the game is over also oh my goodness also, some huge transfer portal news 
right after the national championship game. And this is not about Auburn. Uh, It does affect the SEC. It affects college football. It's one of the biggest transfers in the country. Uh, we got to talk about that announcement today as well. So if you have thoughts on the national championship game, give me a call. Basketball, football, whatever you want to talk about in this first hour, it's totally up to you. We'll take your call. 334-321-1390. Michigan is your national champion for this 2023-2024 season. Um, They went into the game last night as a favorite by around five points. Uh, We talked about this yesterday on the show. It just seemed a little high at the time, did it not? We talked about it. We talked about how it just seemed a little high that Washington's high-powered offense had been rolling all year long. Every time that they got doubted, they proved the doubters wrong. Right, And their offense was rolling going into this game. But that Michigan defense was legit. That Michigan defense was something else. I mean, more times than not, right, more times than not, in today's era of college football, the offenses overpower the defenses. And I know that 15, 20 years ago, especially here in the SEC, defenses were winning championships. That's the old the, the saying that's as old as time, right? Defense wins championships. And in this conference, for a long time, it did through those early 2000s and even the mid-2000s. That's what was winning games and ultimately getting you to a championship. You had a game manager at quarterback, you'd usually have a stud at running back, and you'd have a legit defense, right? That's what won national championships back then. But in the last... 10 years, offenses have just been escalated and have evolved to an unheard of level when it comes to production, yards, points, right? Offenses have become so evolved and just so electric in college football now that that has been winning championships. And you've seen the biggest programs adapt to that, the biggest one being Alabama, who had to adapt, who had to adjust and say, okay, we can't win games 17 to 10 anymore. Let's go out and put 50 on you. Good luck. And you saw big time programs do that. And so going into the game last night, myself included, most people were thinking, man, Michigan's really good, right? Michigan's defense is really, really good. But Washington offense is just better. Washington has Michael Penix Jr. They've got Odunze. They've got Johnson out on the outside. That offense is going to overcome and eventually break down that Michigan defense because that's what's been happening for years. Not so fast. The Michigan defense is something else. And they held a Washington team that was one of the best offenses in the country all season long. Held them to 13 total points. Scoreless in the fourth quarter. That is impressive. That is very Very impressive. And for everybody that watched the game or listened to the game or somehow was involved taking in the game last night, you understand that 34-13 as the final score doesn't really tell the game's story through and through. It does show that Michigan dominated this game, which they did for the most part. Not the entire time, but for the most part. And it also does show that that defense did its job for Michigan. But give a lot of credit to that Washington defense, something not a lot of people talked about. And credit to my co-host, who's not here today, Uncle T-Bone, 
He talked about weeks ago, and former intern Michaela, talking about how physical Washington is as a football team. And you could see that last night going up against the big bad Big Ten. Washington held their own physically. Up front, linebackers, secondary, they did what they could do. But that running game for Michigan was so good. And that team, this particular Michigan team that's 15-0, and and your new national champions, this was not a 2023-2024 type of team. This was not a team put together like we've seen in the last 10 years. That was a 2007-2008 type of team who had a game manager at quarterback in J.J. McCarthy who could make the throws when he had to, but he wasn't going to go out and light the world on fire. Had studs at running back, thanks to Blake Corum, and then Edwards last night, who scored the first two touchdowns for the Wolverines. And you have a lockdown defense. You have a defense that gets pressure on the quarterback. A defense that has linebackers that can play everywhere. And a defense that has secondary guys that will be playing on Sunday afternoons. This is an old school Michigan team right here. And they proved that it can work. Isn't that wild? Isn't it crazy that they proved it could work in today's era of college football? Where a Washington team that on just about everybody they played this year was putting up 30, 40 plus. Right? They were putting up anywhere from 30 to 60 points in just about every game they played. And yet, when they played a high-powered, highly skilled, very well-coached defense, they buckled. And they got stopped. And I think it's fair to say that Michael Penix Jr. was not 100% last night. He got hurt late in the game. But I'm not saying 100% physically. I don't think he was fully ready. I think he was a little rattled in this game. Something we had not really seen from Michael Penix Jr. this year. I don't know how much Pac-12 football you watched. But Michael, even in the last few games, go look at the playoff game against Texas. Go look at the two games against Oregon this guy played. He's elite. There's a reason he was in the Heisman ceremony right in New York City. And man, that game against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game and in the semifinal against the Texas Longhorns, this guy was on a different level. Throwing the ball, squeezing it through windows, making plays with his legs and his arms. I mean, this guy was everything. He was Superman, right? He just looked a little off last night. And I don't particularly know why. Missing throws, mistimed plays, penalties on the Washington offense, things that haven't truly happened a lot this year for that Washington team. Because those things can't happen if you want to make it to the national championship, right? So I think a little bit of it, or uh, I'll take that back, a lot of it has to go on that Michigan defense because they did their job. They did their homework. They were getting home on Penix, whether they sacked him a bunch, not particularly, but they got pressure most of the time, some form of pressure. And Penix was just not himself. He wasn't. There were a couple times, that one missed touchdown pass down, what, the right sideline? where he just overthrew his receiver for an easy touchdown. They had the Michigan defense fooled and beat, and he just airmailed him. It shows that it happens sometimes. 
Even with a Heisman contending quarterback, they have bad games. And when pressure gets to the quarterback, it affects how the quarterback plays. Something to think about. 334-321-1390. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Spectre. Hey, Spectre. What's up, man? Hey, I just want to comment on that national championship game. Yeah. If if I close my eyes and open them back up, I, I, I would have sworn I saw Auburn's offense out there for Washington. <laughs> How so, Spectre? I, I, I saw receivers dropping balls that were right in their hands. Yep. I saw offensive line that couldn't protect for anything. Mm-hmm. And no running game to speak of. Yeah. And a, and a quarterback that was rattled. Yeah. Crazy how all that comes together and makes a good offense look bad, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's, Unbelievable. It's wild how that works. Uh, yeah. And it's crazy because, well, again, that I mean, that offense has been so good all year long. And, yeah, I mean, they're leading, they're leading running back last night. Dylan Johnson for Washington, 11 carries, 33 yards. Yeah, I, I was leaning toward Washington to win the game, and um, I couldn't believe their offense just got just manhandled. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, literally. That's exactly right. That Michigan defense, again, it was, it was as well as advertised, right? As good as they had been all season long, and – as I was saying, we're, we've become accustomed to offenses are winning championships now in college football, but again, Michigan proved that style can still get it done, which is crazy to believe. Yeah, let me, let me get your opinion on this. What okay. do you think about Georgia leapfrogging the number three? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's po- postseason, like, following end-of-year rankings don't mean a whole lot to me. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, but I think it proves that they still believe Georgia to be a a top team in the country. And, yeah. and you know, they, they said even when the playoff was released, Georgia would have been favored against every team that made it in the top four. So, Yeah, I think the fact that Georgia dominated Florida State, it, it helped out putting them at number three. If it had been a closer game, uh, they probably would have stayed about where they were at. Yeah, probably. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, that, that definitely helped. Well, listen, buddy, I, I got to run. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Maybe I'll call you all tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good, man. Appreciate the call, Spectre. 334-321-1390. Would love to get other people's thoughts on the national championship game last night. And I'll wrap up my conversation and kind of my, my, my thought process on that with this. Inspector kind of brought it up. I was getting to it, and I'm glad he called in. It's perfect timing. It's crazy when the offensive line can't hold and the receivers aren't catching passes that they normally catch and you have a quarterback that's a little bit flustered. It's crazy how fast an elite offense folded like a lawn chair. Folded. Collapsed. Had its worst performance of the year in the national championship game. And again, I want to give most of the credit to that Michigan defense because they had been playing like that all season long. But when you have receivers dropping passes and a quarterback sailing the ball on touchdown throws, bad things happen. You typically don't win games when that happens. And again, my biggest takeaway is A, Jim Harbaugh finally breaking through, Michigan finally breaking through, 
and winning a national championship since 1997, which is crazy and wild to me. Still hard to believe it's been that long. They finally break through. They win the national championship. The SEC was obviously not involved. And they proved it can still be done with defense, a running game, and a game manager at quarterback. So maybe, maybe this influences other college football programs that are maybe on the rise, that don't have elite offenses yet, that don't have elite offenses in their past. Maybe they decide, you know what? Let's take the Michigan route. Let's just stack up our defensive line and secondary and our linebackers. Let's go find the best defensive coordinator in the country. Let's lock people down. Let's go find a top three running back in college football. Let's find a smart quarterback that can make the throws when he has to and keep our offense going down the field. And let's go try to stop these guys. And yet Michigan still put 30-something points on them. That's impressive, man. It really is impressive. And it was a good game, and Washington had their chances. I had a gut feeling Michigan was going to win, but I picked Washington. I did. I picked Washington, and I was wrong. Because the offense couldn't perform. So congratulations to Michigan. National champs. This era of college football is over. The 14 playoff is over. Lasted 10 years. It'll never be back. And now we move on to the 12-team playoff. A completely new era of college football with the 12-team playoff, full-on NIL, and the transfer portal as wild as it's ever been. Buckle up. The old college football is gone, and it's about to get even even crazier than we've ever seen it before. 334-321-1390, give me a call. What do you think about all this? What do you think about Michigan winning the national championship? How about early predictions for 2024 and 2025? Plus some transfer portal news we'll talk about when we come back. And we'll start talking a little Auburn basketball as well here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. It's been a crazy day around here. I just got to be honest with you. I am... Just to give you an inside look on on kind of what my life looks like on a daily basis, I'm still currently eating lunch <laughs> during breaks because it's just been uh, it's been one of those days of trying to scarf down this salad in between breaks so I can be at my best here on the airwaves. But hope you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. Talking about the national championship game and kind of putting a a, a bow on the 2023-2024 season. And, and I want to have more conversations like this when, when Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett's back in here the rest of this week because there's a lot that happened in, in this football season, not just for Auburn, but just outside in the entire landscape of college football. I mean, think about everything that's happened, right? And we're going to have those conversations as we go through. But did you all see what might be the biggest transfer portal news of the offseason happened last night. And it happened 
at a very interesting time in the night. Down in Houston, Washington and Michigan were doing battle. Michigan takes control. They go up by three scores, and the clock's at zero, and the maize and blue confetti starts to fall. Right, and Michigan's storming the field. They're celebrating. They're interviewing Jim Harbaugh, the weirdo that he is, and they're talking about, and he's talking about how each piece of confetti has a different story in it, and how each piece of confetti represents something different from the season, and everybody begins to contemplate whether he stays with Michigan or goes to the NFL. And you know my thoughts on that. I think he's gone. But right at that moment, when Michigan was lifting the trophy and was declared national champions of college football on top of the college football world, the biggest name in the transfer portal committed to their biggest rival. Quinshot Judkins, the Ole Miss running back who entered the portal not long ago for unreported reasons of money, that seems to be the consensus, is he wasn't getting paid enough, and certain players on that team have, have uh, I guess what's the wordage here, they've, uh, they've coined him as a me guy, and right as Michigan was claimed national champions, Quinshaw Judkins announced his commitment to the Ohio State Buckeyes. If that doesn't tell you where college football is right now, nothing else will. That is exactly, that is the prime example of where we are in college football as we begin 2024. Guys, we're a week in. We're a week into 2024, and we've got stuff like this already happening. The timing was impeccable. I mean, it was just, it was movie-like for Quinshot Judkins, because everybody was wondering where it was going to go. Everybody knew why he left, and everybody began to wonder, holy smokes, where is this running back going to go? I mean, he's one of the best in the country. Where is he going to go? The initial concern and question was, man, why is he leaving Ole Miss? They've got great things going over there. That's an 11-win team with a chance to be it again and probably make the college football playoff next year. Because they bring everybody back. So that was the initial response. And then it was, where in the world is this guy going to go? And the concern for folks like us, because Auburn, I don't think Auburn was ever in that. Their concern was, man, please don't go to another SEC team. We don't want to face him again. We don't want to deal with that. And that's how every SEC fan base and every SEC coach was thinking. I guarantee it. If they couldn't get him, they didn't want him playing in the Southeastern Conference. Are you serious? Absolutely not. So he decides to leave the SEC and just go to a top five program in college football and go to the rival of the now national champions, the Ohio State Buckeyes with Ryan Day. He's going to thrive up there. That's a wonderful pick for him. Not only is it wide receiver you, they've always got good running backs. They've always got good running backs. And we know the offensive potential for each and every Ohio State team. They're going to be electric with him. And that's a fantastic choice. 
And you already know he got paid. I haven't seen any numbers come out. And if you do, they probably aren't true in today's era of social media. But I promise you he got paid. And he got paid big. And that tells us exactly how college football works now. Top-tier running back, top three running back in college football at a program that just had one of its best seasons ever is probably going to make the postseason next year in a new format, wasn't getting paid enough, wasn't happy in his situation, so he left to a bigger program, a better program, getting more money with a legitimate shot to win a national championship. And not only to a legitimate program, the biggest rival of the newest national champ. You can't write a script better than this. This is awesome. College football, it may be different, and we may not like everything about it. I certainly don't. But we got to admit, that's a pretty good storyline building right there in Columbus. I love it, man. I love it. We'll see how it goes. Quinchot Judkins going to Ohio State. Committed last night after the national championship game. Well, speaking of college football, we got a lot of things with Auburn to talk about via the transfer portal, coaching changes, and an update on play calling. That's all coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Lots of uh, college football national championship talk here in the first 30 minutes or so. But like I mentioned before break, multiple updates on the Auburn side of things. And that's where we're going to go here in this uh, last 30 minutes or so of the first hour. And we'd love to uh, be and have you a part of the show. What do you think about the uh, anything going on with Auburn football? 334 321-1390 and uh, I think the place that we the place that we have to start is uh, the fact that Auburn's defensive coordinator will be different next year as Ron Roberts is out as the defensive coordinator we had talked about uh, Philip Montgomery uh, being out and now uh, Ron Roberts is uh, expected to be heading south and heading to Florida uh, to be a part of that staff with Billy Napier and you know I feel like just from the reaction from Auburn fans so far in the last what less than 24 hours since the news broke with the Philip Montgomery news, there seemed to be pretty much a hundred percent consensus and agreement with the Auburn fans that yeah, it was probably it was probably time for Philip Montgomery to go. But with Ron Roberts, it's been a much different scenario. It's been a much different reaction from the Auburn fans. And what are your thoughts? What are your reactions to this? I'm curious because. I've seen a lot of people that are happy that he's gone and, and, and wanting something different, and, well, that's what you get for only rushing three in the Iron Bowl, which I understand, right? That's what you get for only rushing three on fourth and 31. So I've seen people react that way, 
But I've seen a lot of Auburn fans, and we're going to get to some Auburn players as well, that are pretty upset about Ron Roberts no longer or expected to no longer be the defensive coordinator here. And what I'll say is Ron Roberts is a good defensive coordinator, folks. He is. He's a good defensive coordinator. Whether you agree with that or not, that's totally up to you, and that's, that's the beauty of radio and, and a show like this. We're allowed to disagree. But he's a good defensive coordinator. And what tells you that is when some of the top players on this roster are defending him on social media against folks like you, the fans. And the biggest one is good friend of the station, a guy that I've come to know well, is Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante, who released a, or put out a statement on his social media Instagram, I believe, saying, you know, he, he was upset that, that this news came out. He's upset that Ron Roberts won't be here. He's upset with a coach that gave a kid a chance that couldn't break the roster, right, in a, in a previous regime or a previous school, right? So when players like that are making statements like that, it shows that you're losing somebody good. You're losing somebody who knows what they're talking about. Now, does that mean he should have been retained because one or two players were a fan of him? And it wasn't just one or two. I think there were numerous. But you get what I'm saying here. Does that mean he should have been retained? I don't know. I think that's, again, I think that's up for you to decide. And ultimately... Up to Hugh Freeze to decide. But that also doesn't put you above being judged, right? It also doesn't put you above needing to perform your duties to the highest level. And there seems to be right now with the Auburn football staff, there seems to be just some some disconnect in there. Seems to be some some difference in opinions in there. And that's why you've seen Phil Montgomery go. That's why we're expected to see Ron Roberts go. And that's why people have been talking about and expecting other moves to be made. Now, whether other moves are actually made or not, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But there's been some some rumblings and expectations for that to be the case. And me personally... If that's the case, right, if that is what's actually happening, I would want it to be cleared up right now. Right now, in early January, rather than having to deal with it later on in the spring, over the summer, and God forbid you got to get into the fall with a coach or coaches that you're not happy with or this that they're not happy, right? That's, that's stuff you don't want to deal with as the season gets closer because... I know football just ended last night, but we're not very far away from the start of the new season. New season, fall practice will be in August. That's not very long from now. So you've got to get this type of stuff cleared up. And you've got to get the guys you want in there talking to Hugh Freeze. right? You've got to go find your guys that you want to bring in and coach this group of guys and this football team. And so I'm curious on what my listeners and what the, the, the fans of this station, what you're thinking. I'm pretty sure I know what you thought about Phil Montgomery, but curious about what you think about Ron Roberts 
if he is to be replaced as defensive coordinator. 334-321-1390. Something to, to look at on the offensive side. There are reports and statements saying that Hugh Freeze is expected to call place in the fall. Now, whether that truly happens, again, we'll have to wait and see. But according to Chris Lowe at ESPN, he said Auburn's head coach Hugh Freeze will take over play calling duties on offense in 2024. Something we expected to happen. Something we wanted to happen. Especially after the disaster of New Mexico State, the disaster of the bowl game, and a couple of other games this season where you could tell when he was involved and when he wasn't. And I think this was a situation where Hugh Freeze understood, hey, I have to be involved here. And let's just be honest. Whoever Auburn hires as their offensive coordinator, right? And there's a couple of names floating around. But whoever they decide to hire, we then have to ask ourselves the question, are they going to be a better play caller than Hugh Freeze? The answer's probably no. Let's just be real. The answer's probably no to that question. Because Hugh Freeze has been doing this for a long time. And he's done it at numerous locations And he's been successful everywhere that he's been. Not just as a head coach. I'm talking just as an offensive guy. Right? He has been successful everywhere he's been offensively. So why would you not want him to be involved? And why would he not want to be involved to make the offense the best it can be? And I'll tell you this, too. I guarantee it. I guarantee that head coach Hugh Freeze looks at the roster that he's going to have next year compared to what he had this past year. And he's excited about it. He's excited about the guys that are on this team and the guys that are coming in, the guys that are going on campus and start class tomorrow. He's excited about those things. And that probably gives him a little bit more encouragement to become a part of the offensive play calling and be the guy to draw up plays and try to revive, pull out of the ground from six feet under this Auburn offense. It would for me. How could you not look at Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson and all these guys that are coming in, Malcolm Simmons, right? How could you not look at those guys and say, man, I want to call plays for them because great things could happen here in the running back room that Auburn has. And whoever the quarterback might be. I think that has a lot to play in that as well. And I think he also also felt the pressure here. I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that Hugh Freeze felt a lot of pressure to become a lot more involved with the offensive play calling. And ultimately, 100% involved with the offensive game, game calling and play calling. Because we heard a lot this year, right? I was in, I was in on the game planning, right? I, I, I let them put the game plan together. We sat down, we went over it, made some adjustments, but overall, I approved the game plan, right? We heard Hugh Freeze say that quite a bit this year. And there were numerous times that the game plan worked. Look at Arkansas, 
Auburn rolled. Right? I think Auburn's offense worked pretty well in a couple of other games this year. And you're a few plays here and there from winning some football games, from winning more football games. But being involved in approving the game plan I don't think is good enough anymore for Auburn fans. Not yet. Not in this stage. Not in this state of where the football program is. Year two, six-win season, horrible performance in the ballgame. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to cut it for this fan base. He has to step in and be the game planner. Be the guy who creates the game plan and says, hey, this is what we're doing. Let's go. Let's roll and let's see what happens. And I think you're going to see that in 2024. It's being reported that he is and I'm sure he will. So then what does that do moving forward? What does that mean moving forward? Well, I think it means we should expect some more excitement on offense. I think it means we should expect to see something different on offense, right? Rather than the same thing we've seen over and over and over again. And you pair that with what I was talking about a second ago with all the nice recruits that are coming in and the guys you're pulling in through the transfer portal, whether it be running backs or tight ends or receivers, and bulking up that offensive line a bit, I think you should expect a lot from the Auburn offense. Now, I know what the big question mark is and what a lot of people think is a a dark, rainy cloud over the offense is who's going to play quarterback? And I think that's a legitimate concern. And we have from now until kickoff in September to talk about it and figure it out. Because we don't know who it's going to be, 100%. We don't. We have a good idea. And we all have our opinions. But until they jog out on the field, or until Hugh Freeze makes that announcement, which I think he will probably do, but I don't know, we don't technically know. And so that will still, I guess, limit expectations until we get some confirmation on, okay, this guy is it for 24. This guy is our quarterback. This guy's going to be like, he's going to be throwing the ball for Auburn. He's going to be under center. Then you can really start to set some realistic expectations of, okay, it's Peyton Thorne. I think we can do this. Or, wow, Walker White came in and won the job. Or Holden Garner's still here. He won the job. Or Auburn goes after somebody in the portal after spring, and he came in and won the job like Peyton Thorne did a year ago. You can start to set the expectations 100% when that happens. But I think with what we know is going to be here and Hugh Freeze taking full control, that should give us a pretty good idea. And it should be pretty vastly improved from a year ago, from this past year that we just took in. There's no reason it shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be better. Like It shouldn't not be better. That's, That's what I meant to say. It shouldn't be worse. It shouldn't be the same. It should absolutely improve next year. So I think that has Auburn fans excited as well. There's an update we got to talk about from a guy that entered the portal, almost fully entered, but then maybe changed his mind a little bit. We'll talk about that on the defensive side of the football when we come back as we wrap up hour number one. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one on the other side. are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here in the next couple of minutes on ESPN 106.7. Talking Auburn football updates as, you know, we learned that uh, Philip Montgomery, we learned that, what, last Friday, right, that Philip Montgomery was going to be out as Auburn's offensive coordinator. It's expected uh, expected that uh, Ron Roberts will be out as Auburn's defensive coordinator and that Hugh Freeze will be calling plays in 2024. But we also learned yesterday via social media, isn't it crazy that's how we're learning all our news nowadays is, is through social media? Uh, it's how it works, though. It is how the world works. But We learned yesterday, via X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, that Auburn defensive back Keontae Scott, and if you remember the reports, it was expected that he was going to be entering his name into the transfer portal. And we learned that he filed the paperwork and was on his way into the portal, but was able to change his mind and get out of it before it became official. Now, if somebody enters the portal, right, he had his paperwork and everything in before the deadline. He was, he was able to get it in before it ended. But before he officially became in the portal, he changed his mind. But even if he had gone in, he could still come back. But he would have officially been in the portal and could have been contacted legally by the rules and could have gone somewhere else. But according to his... X account last night he said quote thankful for the patience and the honest opinions but the real know where home is for me hashtag war damn eagle that's got to make you feel pretty good if you're an Auburn fan because it was huge news when he decided to come back it was huge news when he decided to return for another year for this Auburn defense because he's really really good I mean, he's one of the best that Auburn has on that side of the football at all positions. He's got leadership, he has skill, and he has experience. Three things that Auburn needs more of on defense. And we know how locked down he is in the secondary. And then it was really big news when we learned that he was expected to enter the transfer portal. And that had started to to rumble around a little bit and make its way through through the, through the chains, if you will. And then it did happen. And that was a scary moment. Scary in the sense of Auburn was about to lose one of its best defensive players. And how are you going to replace him? Right? How are you going to replace a guy like Keontae Scott, who, uh, again, you, is borderline irreplaceable. But he decided not to leave. According, you can, you can take that post however you want, but he pretty much said, I'm not going anywhere, and he's going to stay here at Auburn. How do you feel about that? And not necessarily how do you feel about Keontae Scott remaining on the team and coming back to play next year, but something that I began to think about, and this is nothing against Keontae. I like the kid. I like the guy. He's a really good player. We talked briefly here on the station for a few days. But what do you think about, let's say that this had gone completely through. Let's say player X decides, you know what, I'm going to, and this is a huge trend. 
Let's say he decides to go to the transfer portal. You know, I've been here for two years, and I'm just going to put my name in the portal and see what's out there. Test the waters, see what's going on. And he sits in the portal for a couple weeks, gets a couple phone calls. Okay, I'm you know, I like my options here. But then he ultimately decides to come back. That player, uh, and again, I'm not talking Keontae, I'm talking just... As an example, player X, Y, or Z, whatever you want to name them, right? They enter the portal, get some calls, get some interest, but then they ultimately decide to come back. How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? Are you a fan of when a player enters the portal but then ultimately decides to come back? And that can be for basketball or baseball or whatever because they have that option. Just because they go to the portal doesn't mean they have to leave. Are you a fan of... Hey, I'm not happy here. Let me go see my options. Okay, I didn't see anything I like, so I guess I'll come back to you. I don't know. Kind of rubs me the wrong way, if I'm being really honest with you. Kind of rubs me the wrong way, because that's how I take it. And that's arrogant of me to say that, because that's not always the situation, right? That's not always how it plays out is, oh, I'm unhappy here. So I'm going to try and leave. Oh, I can't find anything better, so I guess I'll come back. That's not always the case. But initially to me, when that whole series of situations plays out, that's how it feels. That's how it sounds, how it looks. But again, it's arrogant of me to to think that because it's not always the case. But then, is this any different than a guy testing the NFL draft or the NBA draft waters? And then coming back for another year? I don't know. You tell me. It's interesting because it's a growing trend in college sports. I'm curious on what you think. Good news is, Keontae Scott expected to be back for Auburn next year. That's huge for that defense and cannot be understated. We'll talk more about that coming up in hour number two. Plus, Daryl Dapperich, Double D, joins us coming up in the second hour as well. He'll join us at 3.15 to talk all things Auburn athletics, including Auburn basketball, who plays tonight against Texas A&M. That's all coming up in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as the sun starts to shine a little bit here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on ESPN 1067. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back as we get underway here in hour number two, wrapping up hour number one. If you missed any of that, uh, you can find it as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search On the Line, or you could go to our station website at ESPN. 
ESPNAU.com. It'll be posted there right after the show. Talked about the national championship game last night and some of the trends uh, that I picked up on and, and that Michigan did something really special this year. They did something, improved something that not many teams have been able to do in the past decade. So talked about that. Also uh, talked about some of the biggest transfer portal news with Quinshot Judkins uh, in the the uh, the irony, I guess, in his decision and his timing of his decision last night following the national championship game. Also uh, talked about a lot of Auburn football updates when it comes to Ron Roberts, the defensive coordinator, Hugh Freeze on the play calling idea, and Keontae Scott coming back for Auburn football. So all of that was packed into hour number one. Crazy that it's over already. But if you missed any of that, you can go and catch up with the podcast after the show today at our station website at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Coming up here in hour number two, we got about 12 minutes or so until Daryl Dapperich, Double D, will join us on the phone lines as he does every Tuesday, joining us from 315 to 345. That's right, we got 30 minutes with Daryl Dapperich. Looking forward to that as we always do. Uh, we'll be talking football updates. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the the finale of college football and kind of get his final thoughts from the past season as we already turn the page into 24 and 25. So we'll talk a lot about that with Daryl. Also talk a lot of basketball. I'm about to get into some of my thoughts here in just a second, but we'll get Daryl's thoughts on, on Auburn basketball the demolishing manhandling of Arkansas on Saturday and how they can continue to use that tonight against Texas A&M at home, SEC opener at home uh, against Texas A&M tonight over at Neville Arena. So all of that's coming up with Daryl Dapperidge at 315. But until then, phone lines are open for the next 10 minutes or so. How are you feeling on this Tuesday? What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about on this January 9th, 2024? You can give me a call, 334 334- 321-1390. That number is 334-321-1390. And yes, Auburn basketball back home tonight. SEC home opener right after taking down Arkansas on Saturday. They are hosting the Texas A&M Aggies. And this is a game for Auburn and Bruce Pearl that just has not been very kind. It has not been a kind matchup for the Tigers in Bruce Pearl's time here I'm going to give you some stats that if you don't know these already, they're not very promising. Bruce Pearl started here. Okay, Bruce Pearl started at Auburn 10 years ago. Isn't that wild? 10 years. This is a 10th season on the Plains for Bruce Pearl. And he has played Texas A&M 13 times in that stretch. Do you know what his record is against Texas A&M? All time. Bruce Pearl and Auburn. In 13 tries, they are 3-10. Yeah. 3-10 is Auburn basketball against A&M since Bruce Pearl got here. I'll read you through the results really quick. Overall, all-time Auburn 6-14, so that's not great either. But since the... 20, uh, the 2013, or I guess the 2014, no, excuse me, 2015 season on January 27th, that would have been Bruce's first time playing Texas A&M. Lost in 14-15. Lost in 14-15 again because they played twice that year. And then they beat them in the SEC tournament. Okay? Beat them in the SEC tournament that year. So he played them three times that year. He went one and two. 
Lost to him in 15-16. Lost to him in 16-17. Lost in 17-18. That was at home. You beat him on the road in 18-19. You lost at home in 1920. On the road in 2021. You did win at home in 21-22. And you're currently on a three-game losing streak against A&M. Thanks to the SEC tournament, a loss at home last year, and a loss on the road last year. And we know what Bruce Pearl's track record is against Buzz Williams in particular. It's not great. Buzz Williams, just for whatever reason, and I've got my, I've got my notes on it, he just has Bruce's number, man. He has Bruce's number when, it, when these two get together. And I'm not a big Buzz Williams fan. I'm not. I'm not a fan. But he's a good coach. He's a really good coach. And he has won at Texas A&M, something not very many coaches have been able to do. And since he was named head coach in 2019, leaving Virginia Tech and going to Texas A&M in 2019, starting in 2020, he beat Auburn then, he beat Auburn in 21 or 20 and 21. And he's beaten Auburn three times in a row. Bruce Pearl's beaten him once. One time. That's pretty wild to me. That's pretty crazy. So, the question becomes, how do you do that? How do you do that tonight? At home, in your second SEC game of the year. Well, good thing is, this Auburn team is really good. This Auburn basketball team is really, really good. They're favored by seven and a half tonight. At home, late tip. 8 p.m. We're all fans of that. Getting to stay up until 10 or 10.30 on a Tuesday night. And for yours truly, I'll be there covering it and get home at about 11, 11.30. But Auburn hosting Texas A&M tonight is 7.5 point favorites. I like that. I do. Auburn's 12-2 and overall. 1-0 in conference play. Texas A&M 9-5 overall. And 0-1 in conference play. They lost their SEC opener to LSU and it wasn't close. 68-53, a 15-point loss to another 9-5 and LSU team. And looking at Texas A&M, compared to what they have had in the past, I think Auburn just matches up really well with them. I think they match up really well. Because A&M's got some size, but not as much as they have. But here's an interesting point that I actually heard Bruce Pearl talking about. This is one of, if not the... Best offensive rebounding teams in the country this A&M team is. Think about that. This team is a top offensive rebounding team in the country. What does that mean? It means when they shoot it, they go get it. And if they don't make it, there's a good chance they're going to get another shot at it, which means you get multiple shots per possession. And the more times you shoot per possession, the better chance you have it going in. And you know what the best shot off an offensive rebound is? It's a three-point shot. It's a three-pointer. Now, this Texas A&M team is not very good shooting the three-point shot. They're a whopping 27% from downtown. So, they they just put it back up. They put layups and dunks back up. They'll shoot some threes, they just can't make them very often. But Auburn's got to be disciplined tonight and go after the basketball and block out, box out. Find a guy, put a body on him. 
Because if you don't, this A&M team will make you pay. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines here. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Shane. Hey, Shane. What's up, man? Hey, uh, not much. I just want to say, you know, that uh, the stat about A&M's uh, rebounding, um, they, 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 they are, but uh, if you watch that, that LSU game, they they rebounded horribly. Yeah, they did. Uh, that, that, that game. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just... I, I don't know. I've never I haven't watched them except for that LSU game this year, so I don't know their competition. So you know, maybe the stats are kind of you know pumped up because of the or maybe the lack lack thereof competition. And then now that the SEC is starting, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more grounded. Or you know, who knows? Maybe that was just a fluky game. You know, uh, the other day with with uh, with LSU. So I don't know. I'm just not as worried as mm-hmm. maybe. A, past season, but um, Auburn's on, on you know, we're, we're on point right now. We're, oh, yeah. We are doing amazing. You know, we're playing amazing team ball. I think Trey Donaldson, I saw something, he, he played 16 minutes the other day and had, you know, seven assists, you know, all, all this rebounds. and You know, he, he did really well, and he only played 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I really love it how, how we're playing right now as a team and not selfish ball. Yeah, I think this is going to go. It's going to go long. We're going to go deep. I have a feeling. So. Yeah, yeah, and all those things, all those things will help Auburn go deep as long as they can continue to do that. I mean, yeah, you're talking about your your backup point guard and Trey Donaldson uh, that played uh, against Arkansas. ESPN's got it officially twenty minutes, but five of six from right. the floor, one of one from deep. Had seven total rebounds, four assists, and just one turnover and eleven points. Yeah. I mean, what else do you want from your backup point guard? Yeah, and it, I feel like every one of our our uh, reserves are a starter elsewhere. Yep. And the other the other night, I, I was looking at a, an awesome stat. I think their Arkansas's bench scored nine points, and ours outscored our starters. Our uh, bench scored yeah. more than our starters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. And yeah, Arkansas's bench had uh, I'll count it up for you really quick. One, three. Uh, five and seven. Yeah, they had seven total points on their bench out of fifty-one. Seven, there you go. Yep. Yep. So we can keep that up, and I think we will. Then, um, yeah, this guy's a limit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for this, for this year, and I'm I'm actually excited for for baseball not right around the corner. So. Yeah, yeah, baseball will be here before we know it. Uh, single uh, single game tickets went on sale today, Shane. Yep, got me some. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And Shane's right. This Auburn bench, again, I, I hate to sound like, you know, let me pull out the record player and, and you know, get the, get the shattered record and throw it back on there, but this Auburn bench, is re- it, it's, it's real. It's real, and it's impactful because that App State game, while it shows that it's possible, it's very, very unlikely for the entire team to go cold. And this isn't talking about your starting five going cold. This isn't talking about your sixth man going cold. For this Auburn team, you're talking about 10 to 12 guys just absolutely going cold and having their worst game of their night, of the, of the season. That's not going to happen again. I'd be willing to bet to that extreme that we saw in Boone, North Carolina, I don't expect that to happen again. And so... You should feel good from what you saw against Arkansas, and you should feel really good about going into this game tonight 
against Texas A&M. And to Shane's point, before we get to break, we got to get Daryl in here. A&M maybe had a fluke against LSU. I'm not really sure. I watched it. I watched most of it. I, I didn't get to see it all. But they've played Ohio State, Penn State, FAU, who's a top 20 team, Virginia, Memphis, number four Houston, played them within four. So uh, I think I think this, this A&M team is pretty battle-tested coming into SEC play. I'm curious to see what Auburn does against them tonight and what kind of game plan they have for that offensive rebounding power that A&M has. And if you can force A&M to go one and done, they can't run with Auburn tonight, I can promise you that. We're going to talk to Daryl Dapridge about this and a whole lot more when we come back. Double D on a Tuesday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7. Don't go anywhere. He'll join us for 30 minutes when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line and excited to get to this guy who joins us every Tuesday. It's Double D, Daryl Dappridge from Locked On Auburn, Montgomery radio legend himself. Joining us back on the airwaves, Daryl, hope you're doing well, man. It's been way too long. It has. It's been a week, man. I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk a lot to talk about a lot of things going on uh, as far as Auburn athletics right now. Well, let's start on the football side of things, and we'll kind of work our way into basketball since the guys play tonight over at Neville Arena. And I guess we could really start, Daryl, with football itself. College football's over, man, thanks to the national championship game last night, and the 2023-2024 season uh, went by just like that, and it's come to an end. Yeah, it really has. I mean, it's just amazing, all the anticipation, all the buildup. I can remember what it's like when you're that weak, it's even week zero, you know, you're getting ready to watch some teams play college football. You're all excited, and bam, you blink, and it's over. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a real swift finality of it because the holidays come and go, and then bam, college football is over a week after. So it's, it's really uh, uh, kind of a shock to the system. But I, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm really shocked that Michigan won that game last night and won it as emphatically as they did. I think that Watching Washington dismantle Texas last week, I thought to myself, whether it's Alabama or whether it's Michigan, I don't think either team defensively was going to keep, you know, uh, Washington at bay. And Michigan did just that. I mean, to hold them in the teens is unbelievable. And then to to do what they did on a on a ground game standpoint, control the line of scrimmage. I, I'm just I'm really surprised. I, I cannot. I thought Penix would play better. It looked to me like he was off all night. Uh, just not quite as sharp, not as accurate. But kudos to Michigan, and what a great year they had. To go up 15-0 and 0 is extremely difficult, extremely difficult. And, uh, you know, they beat Alabama and they beat Washington, who were the two other obvious best teams in the four-team playoff. So uh, and now, now the, you know, the hardball watch is on. Yeah. Is he going to stay at Michigan? Is he going to go back to the NFL? Uh, just amazing what this team did in the light of all the distractions reminds me a lot of what Auburn did in 2010 with the Cam Newton thing and people, you know, threatening that they were going to take the title away and being under investigation to block all that out and to perform at that level like Michigan did with having their coach suspended not once but twice and all that stuff. You know, they're pretty mentally strong kids and they definitely deserve the national title. 
Yeah, Michigan, your national champions taking down Washington in uh, late uh, dominant fashion in that fourth quarter, especially as they take down Washington. And yeah, like you said, Jim Harbaugh, uh, the watch is on. I, I personally think he's gone, Daryl. I think he's going to leave and go to the NFL. But I don't know. He, he talked about their practice schedule last night for, for Michigan, so you never do know. If you had to wrap up the season and kind of summarize the season for Auburn in particular as we start to get onto the Auburn subject for uh, I know the season for us has been over for a couple of weeks since the uh the the embarrassment of the Music City Bowl but in year one for Hugh Freeze as the season is officially over we are now into the offseason talking season if you will in the radio terms how would you summarize year one, right? How would you summarize what's happened since he got here now that the season's over and even the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, Daryl? Summarize it for us if you can. I think it's a tale of two, two, it, it's a tale of two different uh, seasons or a tale of two different um, you know, narratives. Mm-hmm. I think from an off-the-field perspective since, since Hugh Freeze got here, I'd give him a very high mark from what he did to salvage the recruiting class of last year to what he did to getting this class in the top seven, uh, what he did in the portal last year, you know, reshaping that roster. I think, you know, he did a really good job off the field. I think from an on-the-field perspective and the proof of concept, I think Auburn left some games on the table. I think Auburn could have and should have won two more games at least had, you know, things gone a certain way and very, very possibly, you know, Auburn could have had eight wins in the regular season. And I think that's probably – what fans would have been really, really thrilled with that. I think they have this bad taste in their mouth with the way the season ended with three consecutive losses, not mm-hmm. winning a bowl game again, fourth and 31, the New Mexico State debacle. All that is fresh in Almer's mind. Now, some of that got kind of washed away with the recruiting class that Auburn signed. And then but right after the recruiting class, you play the bowl game, and there's that bad taste in your mouth again. And then the portal, the lack of success – but, but thankfully yesterday it picked back up. Mm-hmm. But for a while there, Auburn was just striking out left and right with its portal targets, and people couldn't understand why. And so I think that overall, if I had to give a grade and I combined the off-the-field and the on-the-field, I'd probably give, that a, give it a C in his first year. And I think it's because there's some things that need to get cleaned up. The staff, the staff decisions, I give him credit for reacting quickly to feel like, you know, it's just not a good fit from a culture standpoint, some things that have to, had to happen. Um, at the end of the day, I think there should have been a, a greater realization from Hugh Freeze earlier on that for this team to be successful, he's the one that needed to game plan and call plays. And I've said it over and over, but I think that, you know, to wait to come to that realization when the year's over and only do it, I don't know, five, six games, and those are the five or six games you're the most successful, I think that whole – you know, basically that, that revelation or that realization should have come quicker. And so that's the other thing I think is probably a little bit disappointed. But there's an opportunity now with still, you know, the February signing class and still more portal targets to be had um, and the hiring of these staff people getting that right to get back some of that momentum, I feel. Well, I think that for Auburn fans and everything you just talked about, especially with maybe Hugh Freeze having those realizations of, okay, I have to be involved in the play calling and there are reports saying that he will be the play caller for 2024 and in the the release of Phillip Montgomery and what we expect to be Ron Roberts on the defensive side as well. I think Auburn fans are hoping this is maybe a – 
a learning experience, Daryl, for for a head coach that, look, he's been coaching football for a long time, but maybe he kind of learned, okay, for me to really get this program off the ground, I've got to change some things up a little bit. I do believe that. I do believe that anytime you come in, there needs to be some sort of purge and there needs to be some sort of, there's going to be a roster turnover. There's going to be a staff turnover, even after you have your first staff. Um, I think you've got to sift wheat, basically, and you've got to go ahead and get things the way you want it. But the point is, ultimately, Hugh Freeze is accountable for all of it. He's The buck stops with him. So if, if Ron Roberts wasn't a good hire or Philip Montgomery wasn't a good hire because he felt like he was under the gun and was in a hurry to get a staff together, ultimately that still falls on Hugh Freeze. And I think there's a multitasking aspect of, a, of this job nowadays, which is, which is so difficult compared to how it used to be with this calendar and this portal and the NIL. Just the dynamic of knowing that there were players, and you and I both know there are players that were in the portal for Auburn that were key, key players that got pulled out of the portal because people had to do whatever they had to do to salvage them. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, this, there's this dynamic, too. I've said this all along when NIL rolled out. I said, at some point, you're going to see animosity and jealousy and people resenting other people making more money. And if you are an established Auburn football player and you've been on this roster for a couple years and you start to get wind of right, wrong, or indifferent, or even if it was true, freshmen that have never even taken a snap for Auburn and some of the NIL deals that have been floated around, and this goes across the country, not just at Auburn, you start to get some resentment. You start to say, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. You guys got to show me some love. You know, but I'm the one that's been on the field for you for two years. It's human nature. And that's why this NIL thing and the way they rolled it out with the, no standards, no guardrails, nothing, a cap. It's a disaster. Put on it. Yeah, it needs to, there needs to be a cap. I yeah. think what they need to do is just go ahead and make it basically like, you know, uh, a stair-step thing where you go, okay, if you're a freshman coming into a university, this is as much NIL money that you're allowed to have. If you're a freshman or sophomore, you know, you've played a couple years, then it's this much. I mean, basically, you know, stair-stepping it so so that it's accruing it. So it looks like it's something that's fair and equitable. If you're a fifth-year senior, well, then this is as much as you can make. And so that there isn't this resentment of looking around and saying it's just open season, wild, wild west. you got to cap it, and I think you need to cap it based upon years of service, per se, or how long somebody has worn the uniform of that particular university. Well, Daryl, if we put a cap on it and you can only make this much as a freshman, how can I pay more money for this five-star freshman than you can? And how can I make sure that I get him on my roster, man? Come on, think think of me for a change, Daryl. Yeah, well, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to have <laughs> – then you're going to ha- – yeah, but you're going to have to have compliance then. Right. Because, then, you know, there could be another school that could get creative. and I mean, It's just – listen, there is a school – that I know of that has promised XYZ and NIL money and then to get certain players they came back to existing freshmen that were coming in and said hey some of your money's got to go to this recruit it's just a nightmare now this isn't all of our business another school yeah. I know the kid that's getting recruited there uh, he's a you know kind of a peripheral friend of the family uh, kind of a legacy at this university and you know he's going to school there he's all excited and then they start wanting to get other players and start throwing bags at other players and 
You have they go back to them and tell their recruiting class you got to take less. It's a nightmare. Oh, it's a nightmare. Oh, it, it is. It only get worse, man. It really is. Well, it's going to get worse. Well, hey, we'll talk some more about that when we come back. Plus, we'll talk Auburn basketball as well as Daryl Dapperich joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and joining us on the phone lines as we've got done our first segment. Lots more to talk about, though. Daryl Dapper's continuing on with us here on ESPN 106.7. And, Daryl, we were kind of wrapping up our conversation with, with, with college football and Auburn in particular with everything that's been going on really in the past couple of weeks since the bowl game when it comes to uh, some transfer portal additions and uh, I guess addition because of not subtraction I I don't know the best way to say that since Auburn uh, had some guys considering the portal and possibly even enter their paperwork but didn't officially get in the portal and they were able to bring them back it's been kind of crazy but uh, the things that have really been in the news Phillip Montgomery no longer Auburn's offensive coordinator and the expectation of Ron Roberts no longer being Auburn's defensive coordinator yeah, I think that anybody, you know, you start hearing little rumblings of that. That's that's not a surprise to anybody. Maybe some people were surprised by the Ron Roberts thing. But, you know, I, I don't think so. I think there were some personality meshing issues with other coaches and some players. And I just think that, you know, it's a situation where if he can go to Florida and uh, be the linebacker coach at another SEC institution, that's a good, that's a good look that Auburn doesn't have to, you know, do anything from a from a standpoint of releasing him or anything. So it all works out for, for all parties. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and I think the writing was on the wall the day that Auburn, you know, hired Charles Kelly and that leaked out, you know, that kind of situation because he could be co-defensive coordinator. He can coach defensive back. He's very good recruiter. Now, does Auburn go out and get another guy? You know, we've heard names like Chris Kiffin and mm-hmm. Jeff Collins and Dave, Zach Arnett. Um, I think Kiffin makes the most sense because I think Kelly – could be your defensive coordinator, and then Kiffin could really focus on the recruiting aspect of it. He's the linebackers coach of the Houston Texans right now. So, you know, and then from an offensive coordinator standpoint, you Freeze has all come out and said he's going to call plays. He'll be your offensive coordinator per se, but you need another guy to come in and take that staff position and help with recruiting. You heard names like Derek Nix floated from Ole Miss. So I think in the next three, four days, this is all going to come into focus. It's going to be a lot clearer as far as what Auburn staff is going to look like going into next year. We're going to have this conversation between now and September when the season starts, Daryl. But I had this, I was talking about this earlier in the show with all the recruits coming in, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and Hugh Freeze being the expectation he will be your, like you said, your offensive coordinator, your play caller next year. What should Auburn fans expect the offense to look like with all of those new fancy receivers to throw to and whoever the quarterback's going to be with Hugh Freeze calling plays? What 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 should the expectation be here? I think you're going to see a little more balance. I think you're going to see them strive for a little bit more balance from a run-pass mix. You know, Auburn was a little bit heavier on the run game this year, and it made sense because you're breaking in a new quarterback that wasn't here for the spring. You had such a dynamic running back room. That running back room will only be more dynamic uh, next year. I know Batty left, but you still have Austin, Cobb, and Hunter. So 
But I think you'll see a little bit of a, you know, let's just say Auburn went 60-40, 60% running and 40% passing last year. I think they'll try to get a little more balance, a little more confidence in Thorne, whoever the quarterback will be with these receivers. You cannot, cannot go out and get this kind of receiving recruiting class that's this elite and not throw the ball more. You just can't mm-hmm. because you can't sell that. So I think with Hugh Freeze being involved, you're going to see a little bit different look from a passing game standpoint. Um, he's an excellent play caller when it comes to getting guys open. Auburn, we saw that in certain games during the year um, when Auburn's offense looked pretty good getting the ball downfield. So I would say a little bit more pass will be incorporated, um, and you'll see these receivers have every opportunity to get on the field and make plays. So much happening with Auburn football right now as we talk with Daryl Dapperich here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Joins us each and every Tuesday. He's on with Zach Blackerby on Fridays for Locked on Auburn, plus post-game shows on Locked on Auburn after Auburn basketball games, and that's what will be happening late tonight. Man, Daryl, do you not have enough pull at the athletic department to quit having 8 p.m. tip-offs? 8 p.m. tip-offs are killing me. I, I, you know, I just it's just amazing, and I know it's for TV. But by the oh. time you get done and we go live, yeah. and we wait right. You know, there's no pre-recording that. So, yeah, I mean, you're doing a show, and it like the other night, it was great. On or the other day on Saturday, it was a one o'clock tip. You get back, you get on the program at 3 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon, and you're basking in the glow of a great win. And so we just stayed on for like 45 minutes. We, you know, and you don't want to do that on a on a Tuesday night when you got olds like me that have to get in the bed at a decent time. But, yeah, we'll, we'll kick that thing off at 10, and hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about, a big Auburn victory tonight, and just allow people to kind of bask in that. It's kind of a fun place to go. You know, last year a lot of times it was the opposite sometimes. Yeah. People really just wanted to share that pain uh, and get on there and just kind of have, you know, some c- c- camaraderie, feeling your pain of a, of a tough loss. So, um, it's fun to do it, and once the game's over, you're kind of jacked up anyway. You know, the, the adrenaline's throw, flowing, and I've always, I've always had a hard time with when I coached, when I played, or when I really watched a team that I pulled for getting to sleep anyway when the game was over. I just can't. I'm too jacked up a little bit, so that gives us a nice little way to decompress. It's like a raw Daryl Dapper's press conference after the game. It's fantastic. Ooh, I last mean, it's... year sometimes it was rough. Yeah, because, you know, live, <laughs> yeah. you're going right. And the, the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa, that was oh. the hardest one. Because, you know, the Iron Bowl, I was in Disney World. I was in Florida. So, I, you know, Zach and I took about two hours to decompress. But when you, you have a tough basketball loss mm-hmm. and you're just like, bam, go hit record, it's hard. I mean, the emotions are still raw. The feelings are still raw. So thankfully this year, I think I felt that a little bit in Baylor. I was very frustrated because, you know, I felt like Auburn was playing really, really well. They were up nine at the half. I thought they were going to win that game. So I was a little bit frustrated. We did not do a reaction show after App State. So that worked out being good because that would have been not pleasant. But um, other than that, Auburn's beating everybody's eyes out. So it's been fun to do these post-game shows. Yeah, I get it, man. Well, I'm sure, uh, and I was I was able to tune into to a little bit of it on Saturday when you guys uh, are, and everybody's been talking about Auburn and Arkansas that happened on Saturday, and of course we're gonna kind of connect the two with Auburn taking on Texas A&M tonight. But man. Auburn did something they have not done in a long time, Daryl. Go on the road, win in Fayetteville, and they did something historic. We all know the stat by now, handing uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks their their worst loss ever inside of Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, that's just amazing. I mean, I you know I felt like Auburn could win the game. I also felt like Auburn could could 
flip up and lose a game. That place is typically I mean you're talking about a team that beat Duke and Purdue mm-hmm. this year in Arkansas, Jekyll and Hyde. And I think in their building it's so hard to win there. Uh very hard to win there. And so for Auburn to go in, play a little bit sporadic in the first half from a shooting standpoint and then having their best player not score a basket and still be up seven. I felt like, well, if Broom gets going in the second half, Auburn can hang on. Did not expect Auburn to go from a seven-point lead to a 32-point win. Hang on and extend. And I think it it speaks, again, defense travels and depth travels. You can go – you can have a guy like Alabama had last year with Brandon Miller get cold on the road and it doomed Alabama. Mm -hmm. You know, they almost lost to South Carolina before he got going. He didn't play well against San Diego State in the tournament. When they got boat raced uh, by Oklahoma before, whatever, last year, all that happened because he couldn't get it going. Auburn doesn't have that, you know, they have so much depth that they can pick up, the, someone else can pick up the slack if they need be. Um, you're going with 10 guys, you know, on a roster, 10 or 11 guys, so you're playing your 10 against their 10. They have to pick their poison. Do they want to play? five, you know, ten guys, or do they want to play their same set seven or eight bit fatigue? And that I think that's where on the road in the SEC, if you guard like Auburn guards and you play that depth and those players still buy in and still come off the bench with that enthusiasm, that intensity, that desire, then Auburn, it's, they're going to be tough to beat because it doesn't matter if Broom, if, if Holloway only scores five. Or, you know, because then Chad Baker Mazar scores 16. I mean, everybody is picking everybody up, and I think that's big. Yeah, and that's happened quite a bit, to be honest. I mean, Aiden Holloway, as good as he is and in the, the ceiling that he has, I mean, I don't want to go out and say that he's underperformed in a lot of these games, but you can almost kind of say that, and yet it hasn't affected Auburn in any means because Trey Donaldson's playing elite-level point guard behind him, and plus your two shooting guards and Aiden Holloway, or not Aiden Holloway, um, you have Denver Jones and Katie Johnson. They're playing at an elite level as well with the guards, with the, how many assists they're getting plus the limited amount of turnovers. Trey Donaldson was a plus 31. That's insane. Saturday. That's stupid. I mean, you you you're a hockey guy. Yeah, they're in a Columbus Blue Jacket defenseman that has a plus thirty one <laughs> in their career. Um, that's a big stat for all the hockey guys out there. Defensemen get rated on you know on plus minus. But, I love it. Um, I love it. But yeah, and so I mean a plus thirty one. I mean what that tells me is that when Trey Donaldson's on the floor, Auburn's going on runs and they're 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 playing good defense. I mean, and he's the backup point a, guard. Back up for you. And I played 20 minutes, and Holloway played 20 minutes. I mean, that's the kind of balance. Now, would Donaldson be that successful if he was a me guy, the disease of me that you Freeze talks about? If Donaldson was all about Donaldson and said, this is stupid, I'm a sophomore, I'm a plus 31, I should be starting. If he started having that mentality and he didn't start and he came off the bench, would he be as effective if he didn't buy in and wasn't unselfish? No. Same with KD. You know, comes off the bench. I think Bruce Pearl has been a master at making sure that even though these guys don't start, he can show them the minutes at the end of any particular game on the stats and go, you're playing just as many minutes as a start. Mm-hmm. You're just as valuable. It's very and other unique. Other Broom and Zaylin Williams, that's what you're going to get from the – and, you know, of course, Chad baker Mazar is playing double the minutes Chris Moria. And so that's where, you know, Denver Jones and Katie Johnson playing similar minutes. Holloway and – Donaldson, similar minutes. That's where you can sell that. Cardwell's another dude that has gone from serviceable to crucial. 
He comes off the bench. He gives Broom a blow, but it's not just he's just not a minute seater. He's contributing. He gives you six to eight points. He gives you energy dunks. He blocks shots. He's physical. He makes you know that you're bringing it in the lane. So all that stuff, he has become a very, very valuable piece, and he does it with a smile on his face and a lot of hype. And those kind of guys are invaluable, and that's why when they talk about that second wave, if you could go back and look and track from an analytic standpoint, when Auburn puts that particular five in the game they call the second wave, the runs that Auburn has gone on with those five, you would be shocked at the ratio. It's almost two and a half to one outscoring the opponent. So, I mean, that's a very sweet luxury to have. It really is. This Auburn team, extremely talented, coming off the 30-plus point win on the road at Arkansas on Saturday. SEC home opener tonight, Daryl, hosting Texas A&M, a team that Bruce Pearl, since he started at Auburn, has only beaten three times. He's 3-10 and ten against Texas A&M in his Auburn career, and we know what Buzz Williams has done uh, when he goes up against head coach Bruce Pearl. How do the Tigers get it done tonight inside of Neville Arena to keep that win streak alive? I think Auburn just needs to worry about Auburn tonight. A&M presents a lot of challenges. Buzz Williams seems to have a little bit of Bruce Pearl's number. They are an extremely talented offensive rebounding team. Auburn has gotten beaten on the boards a couple times in games that they still beat people, blew people out, but they you look up in the differential. What happened last year cannot happen. The foul differential last year was atrocious. I was at that game live. A&M went to the free throw line 32 times. Mm. You cannot do that. If you're Auburn, you just you know get it respectable, let A&M go to the free throw line 15, 16 times, assist to turnover ratio is going to be big, and hang – with them on the board. You don't necessarily have to out-rebound them, but keep it within 2-3 as far as a rebounding standpoint. Limit the foul trip, foul line trips, and I think Auburn can win this game double digits. Daryl Dapridge joins us every Tuesday here on ESPN 106.7 for On the Line. He's with Zach Blackerby on Fridays on Locked on Auburn, and they'll go live on a post-game show tonight. Tell everybody where they can find it, Daryl, and everything else you got going on. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, also on YouTube. We'll go live right when the clock strikes triple zero. I will be making a special appearance on Locked on Auburn tomorrow morning Uh uh, with with Zach. And then also Fridays is our normal day that um, I'm the guest uh, on on Locked on Auburn. So uh, probably too much of me this week, to be honest with you. Man, you're all (laughs) over the place, Zach. Zach must really like you over there if you're getting two days a week now. Well, it's just for this week. You know, he, he just needed me to fill in. So we'll be recording something before the, before the basketball game and after the basketball game. So coffee is going to be my friend over the next six, seven hours. I've told you, man. Just pour Red Bull in the coffee. You'll never, you, you won't worry about sleep, man. I need to think about that. Yeah, but then, <laughs> then once I need to shut it down, though, I might not be able to. Right? Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a story for like 2 a.m. tonight. You worry about that later <laughs> on. Daryl Dapridge joins us every Tuesday, man. I appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do this again next Tuesday, huh? All right, brother. Have a great week. Thanks so much. Daryl Dapridge joining us on the phone lines here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Tuesday edition of the show. Phone lines are open one more time if you'd like to join us and get your thoughts in about tonight's game against Auburn and Texas. Texas A&M. I'll give my final thoughts on it when we come back, and then we'll wrap it up on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I appreciate you being with me all show long, whether you have been with me for the entire show or in and out. We're just now tuning in. I do appreciate you being with me here on this Tuesday afternoon. And uh, again, it's been a great show today. It really has. Tuesdays are are always a lot of fun. I get a full hour with just you and me uh, with nobody in the studio. Normally get a lot of great calls as we did today. And so I appreciate that. And then I just got off the phone with Daryl Dapperich. I love having him on Tuesdays. And, and we've gone from 15 minutes to a full 30 minutes. I mean, we get two segments with him, man. It, it is so much fun uh, talking all things Auburn with Daryl Dappert. So we had that in this first, or in the second hour. Back in the first hour, talked about the national championship game. Uh, talked about um, what else did we talk about. We also talked about some Auburn news when it comes to football with the coaching changes and uh, some transfer portal news, and also Hugh Freeze deciding, uh, according to reports, that he will be calling plays on the offensive side in 2024 so a lot of that as well and then we've talked uh, basketball and then just got off the phone with Daryl talking all things Auburn so if you missed any of that you can find uh, the show as a podcast wherever you get your podcast just search on the line after the show today give me about five or ten minutes to get that uploaded for you and then you can find it wherever you get your podcast or on our station website at ESPNAU.com Auburn hosting Texas A&M tonight Auburn basketball that is as you can find the local broadcast here in Auburn, Opelika on the radio over on our sister station, Wings 94.3. That is the home of Auburn men's basketball here in Auburn, Opelika. Game time, like we talked with Daryl, it's a late one. Game time set for 8 o'clock. Uh, the guys at the Auburn Sports Network, Andy Burcham, they will all go live at 7.30 over on Wings 94.3. Auburn 7.5 point favorites against Texas A&M. I like it. I do. I, I like Auburn to blow the doors off of Texas A&M tonight. I mean, you're at home. You're coming off of the of the unspeakable thing you did to Arkansas on Saturday. And I just I don't know what to think about this Texas A&M team. Now, they did hang with number 4 Houston 4 games ago. They did do that. But they are coming off a 15-point loss at home to a very average LSU team. If Auburn can control A&M on the offensive boards and not give them two, three, four shots each possession, nobody can run with this Auburn team. And we know how well they play at home. We got a lot of revenge, I hope, on our minds against Buzz Williams and Texas A&M. He's one of Auburn fans' least favorite head coaches in the SEC. Uh, A lot because of what he's done to Bruce Pearl and Auburn in the past, but I like Auburn to win. I like Auburn to cover. I think Auburn wins by double digits tonight. I really do. I look for Aiden Holloway to get back going, shooting the basketball, Janai Broom to have a big night tonight. But it's crazy because those guys don't have to play well, and Auburn is still winning. So think about what happens when they do. Nobody can beat this team. I'm telling you. They're that good. If this team plays up to its potential, should be a fun night in Neville Arena. I'll be there. Uh, Hopefully you will uh, be there or be watching, be listening, however you're taking it in. Should be a good game. We'll talk about it tomorrow here on the show. Uh, Uncle T-Bone will be back with me. It is uh, Rivalry Wednesday, so we'll have Jordan Hill with us to uh, get his final thoughts on the regular season and postseason for football. Kind of get some updates on maybe some transfer portal things and recruiting over there for Georgia football. And then we'll be talking Georgia basketball as well as we are into SEC play. So that'll be 
be tomorrow, uh, and then we'll have this game to talk about. I'm sure we'll have some more football updates to talk about and a whole lot more. So that'll be tomorrow here on the show, recapping this Auburn and Texas A&M game. Again, I have Auburn winning. I have us winning by double digits tonight. And what should be a lot of fun, should be, okay, should be fun. And you look at what Auburn has coming up quickly before we get out of here. Auburn hosting A&M tonight hosting that LSU team that just beat A&M, hosting them on Saturday. Then you go to Vanderbilt before you come home for Ole Miss, who, by the way, isn't ranked anymore. They're not ranked. Did you see why? It's because they lost. They let Tennessee beat them down because they finally played a good team. It's crazy what happens when you do that, huh? That's what Auburn has coming up. But tonight is Texas A&M again. Catch that over on Wings 94.3. The drive's coming up here on ESPN. Don't go anywhere. They'll have your full coverage from 4 to 6, and then you can flip over and go to Wings later on tonight. But until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.